the contractor fight is simply the the six inches of real estate between your ears. Too many of the issues that we have in the world right now are people are waiting for good things to happen to them instead of going out and getting it. So our whole mission is to bring respect and dignity back to the trades, and that starts with the way we think. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end -end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Hey, hey, this is Gordon Henry at Winning on Main Street, and this week you get to be Tom Reber. Tom is the creator of The Contractor Fight, a movement of home improvement contractors who are taking back control of their businesses and, as he likes to say, fattening their wallets. He's one of the most sought-after contractor coaches and consultants in the United States. You can find him in all of his programs at thecontractorfight.com, and he hosts the Mile High Summit in September in Denver, in case you're interested in attending. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me, Gordon. How are you doing today? Doing great. And uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. I know you're doing a lot of amazing uh, things right now in the contractor space. So let's just start off. What is the contractor fight? Yeah, so um, the, the contractor fight is simply the, the six inches of real estate between your ears. And, uh, you know, we all have our head trash. We all have our limiting beliefs and things like that. And I, you know, having been a home improvement contractor forever, um, I see it up close and personal with with most of the men and women that are in the in the trades and uh and it really limits them and so holds them back so our whole mission is to bring respect and dignity back to the trades and that starts with the way we think got it and yeah. why did you create this business you started out in the contracting space why did you create the contractor yeah. fight as a consulting business to other contractors uh yeah i sold uh i sold my business in 2012 and then started helping out businesses of all different types. And then I started getting tapped on the shoulder here and there by people. Hey, will you speak at this event? Will you help me with my marketing? Well, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we're coaching home improvement contractors. And, and here we are with the contractor fight, literally working with uh, tens of thousands of contractors all around the world now hmm. um, with, through, through, you know, and, and the majority of that is through the free content that we have online and all that other stuff. But it's, it's really cool to see the the reach and um, and I and I would say the 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 secret sauce here to the reach has honestly been I think just the way we named it and it, it gets their attention and it's something they can rally around right like I think any good business you're gonna have um, you're, you're gonna have something bigger than you that um, that you pull people towards and and so um, men and women all over the globe literally are are into the fight man they just they love the idea of of uh, leveling up their thinkings and, and learning how to stop stealing from their families. Right. Right. So you call it the contractor fight for yep. a reason. That's, that's your brand. Why fight? Why fight? Mm -hmm. That's just how I'm wired. You know, I'm a Marine <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone that, that believes, you know, when you have something that you want, you need to fight for it. And, mm. and I don't mean the fight in the sense of throwing punches and things like that all the time, although that could be necessary in certain <laughs> elements of your life. But I just think, it helps communicate that, you know, we're to be proactive, we're to go out there and we're to make these things happen. Don't wait for things to come to you. Too many of the issues that we have in the world right now are people are waiting for good things to happen to them instead of going out and getting it. So yep. that that's really at the heart of it. It's just, it resonates with who I am. Right. Right. And 
along those lines, your motto or one of your mottos is you challenge contractors to live unafraid. Mm-hmm. What, is, what does that mean to you, living unafraid? Why, why is it important for a contractor to live unafraid? Yeah, well, I'll be clear. It's important for anybody to, right? Um, but, you know, so many home improvement contractors are not standing up for themselves. And they're, um, that's just one element of it. I think just as human beings, I think a lot of us don't take the risks that we should take. We're too worried about what other people think. We don't follow our hearts. We don't speak up when we want to speak up. And I think, uh, I think the world would be a better place if we all, you know, lived a little more unafraid like that in the sense of learning how to communicate with another human being in a way that you can get things on. This comes from my background. I mean, I rode the, I rode the, literally rode the short bus for two years in grade school. I was in a special ed class for two years in grade school. And this set the tone for me that I was stupid. I couldn't compete intellectually with people. And it haunted me for decades until I finally dealt with it. And so I lived most of my life afraid to speak up, afraid to put myself out there, despite being in the Marine Corps and being successful and all these other things. I still had that baggage hanging around me. And until I really decided to go toe to toe with it and live intentionally that way, I was always limiting myself. And so, you know, I I see contractors, they don't take control of their sales process because they're afraid the customer is going to hire somebody else. They don't honor their own payment terms. This is a huge one. I see guys are not getting paid yet they don't not they didn't stop work at a milestone when they didn't get paid you know what i'm saying so it's like because there's this this fear around that so i think you know sadly i think most of the people i run into are letting fear dictate a lot of the their actions and, and the decisions that they make instead of really just you know um throwing the ball deep now and then you know and going for it you seem to have a lot of empathy for contractors. Obviously, you were one. And you know, you, you have a saying on your website. I thought this was really pretty compelling. You say, your, your wife is a single mom. As you're banging away, working longer and longer hours, your wife is sitting at home wondering what happened to you. She's beginning to feel like she's raising your kids, your kids by herself. And your in-laws, they're wondering, or they wonder how their daughter got hooked up with a man who can't provide for his family. This is why so many contractors end up in divorce court. It's a sad end to a long struggle, but it doesn't need to be like this. Is it really this bad? Yeah, the average home improvement contractor makes 50 to 60 grand a year and has a couple hundred grand in debt. And yet the the mainstream world would make you think that contractors are ripping people off. They're rolling around in big bags of money and just hanging out on their boats all weekend. Hmm. Um, You know, I could, I could say, you know, we're talking about winning on Main Street. I could say the same for a restaurant owner, right? I could say the same for a lot of other business owners. This just happens to be my world. But it's often what happens is we're really good swinging the hammer or the paintbrush or doing whatever we're doing, like in any other thing. Uh, we haven't put in the time and the chops and the efforts to, to become as proficient as, it, as uh, we are in those areas as running the business, right? Sales, leadership, recruiting, all those other things. And uh, because of that, the average contractor just thinks that they just got to work harder. They'll work harder towards success where if that mm-hmm. were really the case, if hard work were the number one prerequisite of success, there'd be a lot more wealthy people, uh, you know, and all that other stuff. And so we see a massive amount of effort from these men and women out there trying to take care of their families. And in the process, they end up stealing from their families. They're working too hard because they don't understand their numbers. They're working too hard because they haven't sell at the right price. They don't have sales training. They're working too hard because they think they have to do everything themselves. They don't create leverage by learn by recruiting 365 days a year. 
And the net result of this is they're stealing time from their families, memories from their families. They're robbing themselves of their own health. They've given up their hobbies. They've, they're, I mean, I, I was on, um, I got a couple guys that are speaking at my event that two years ago, they both had about a half a million dollars worth of debt in their businesses. One of the guys had a 1.1, $1.2 million business, and he was only paying himself 38 grand a year. And within six months, he paid off a couple hundred grand worth of the, or a hundred grand worth of the debt, forexed his personal income. By the end of one year, he paid off half the debt, um, and you know, all in, he went from three hundred or thirty-eight thousand dollars in income to about three hundred thousand dollars in income, all because he made the choice to be profitable. And that's really where we're we're pushing people. So, and let me let me say this: you you mentioned I I have a, a I'm a fan of the contractor, which I certainly am. I also want to be clear, I'm a fan of the homeowner too, the consumer. Most of the problems that a contractor has with a homeowner are friendly fire, meaning the the contractor didn't do a good job of setting expectations. They've done a pretty crappy job as a whole communicating with people like, listen, I do this. I work with thousands of contractors and I'm doing some things around my home right now. And I got people in my groups that I've hired for things that they've knocked it out of the park. Well, the other trades that I've needed, I'm chasing them down. I can't get somebody to answer their phone. So I'm living it too. And I call it both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the big issues homeowners make is you don't do your homework when you hire somebody. You, I mean, listen, I, as a painting contractor back in the day, thousands and thousands of jobs. I did three to 400 projects a year for many, many years. I could count on one hand the number of people, consumers that actually checked my references, that actually wanted to come see our work and things like. So homeowners are are pretty lazy, to be honest with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they, but I come back. One of our mantras in the fight is own your crap. Like you, you own what you can control. And this is where I come, I come full circle back to the contractor going, guys, consumers feel like they want, they can change the, your contract and the margins. They can change your payment terms. They want to beat you up on price. They blah, 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 and this and that, because every step of the way you are removing trust from the relationship because you don't do the things you say you were going to do when you said you were going to do them. You don't honor your own terms and, and all the other issues that we have. You leave a mess or whatever it might be. One of the things I found at Gordon is the 95% of the issues people have with contractors have nothing to do with the actual work, the paint job or installing the doors or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's everything that surrounds it. It's that experience. And that's what I, that's really where I get in the grill of the home improvement contractors is going, guys, step it up and have a little more pride in that than just, you know, the paint job. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I'm sure everybody listening could say the same thing. I know we've had work done around our house and, uh, we're, we're, we're working with this electrical contractor. And as you say, the guys who come to do the work really do good work. We're, we're, you know, and they're very pleasant and they get it done and it's done well. But getting the job scheduled and getting the sort of manager to call you back and, you know, just that whole process of getting the people there on site to do it, that's the hard part and it's frustrating. Yeah, it is. And, and let me say this. I'm going to say this. And pe- the non-contractors of the world are going to go, Tom, you're nuts. I don't know. what You live in Colorado. You're obviously smoking something. All right. So, <laughs> but here's the thing. One of the reasons why the experiences that contractors deliver to the average person, consumer, are because the contractor doesn't charge enough money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. right there, people are going, I got ripped off by my contractor, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I get that. Okay. I will yeah. tell you though, 
90% of home improvement contractors, okay? 90% of home improvement contractors are ethical. They're doing the right thing. They're up late. They're, they're up early. They're busting their tails to deliver what you all want, okay? Mm-hmm. Back to what I said about living unafraid, but they're afraid to raise their prices. They're afraid to look at the math and let them, because they get emotional about it. They, they have this thing. I just want to be fair to people when they're not mm-hmm. fair to themselves. If you don't get oxygen first mm-hmm. and take care of you, you can't ha- afford the person who can actually run your office at a high level. You can't afford the project foreman who's going to do a great job of running the job and managing expectations because you don't have enough money. So right. we're all about profit here. Like right. it's... Yeah, and so, like I've said, thousands of contractors through the years that we've served, and every single time that we sit down and we go over the math with somebody, the average across all industries is for the last 10 years now or some, whatever it's been since I've been doing this, has been about a 5% net profit. So that $100,000 project that the consumer's paying for that they think is overpriced, mm-hmm. that contractor is only walking with five grand if all goes well. You do say also in your marketing materials, you say many contractors I've coached are working 60, 70, 100 hours each yeah. week, all to make 60 grand a year. That's crazy. And I wanted you to walk me through the math. So there, so that person you're saying is actually running a business that's worth, I guess, well, I'll do the inverse of 5%, 20 times the $60,000. So they're doing a $1.2 million business overall, but they're only putting 60 grand in their pocket. That's, that's right? Yeah, and they might be doing 1.2. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, only 4% of businesses across the board do a million a year. Okay. So the average contractor that's been in business five, 10 years, whatever it might be, unless he's really taken this business side seriously, he might be doing three to 500 grand a year. Okay. Okay. Maybe breaks a million now and then because they can't get out of their own way. And I was one of them, by the way. I mean, I ended up bankrupt. I made millions and lost it and all, everything in between. And now I'm back. Right. So it's mm. like, it's self-imposed because you let that fear dictate the decisions instead of just looking at the math. So here's an example. Somebody's grandfather said to him one day, many years ago, you got to get a 10% profit there, Gordon. So what does Gordon do? Gordon goes out, figures out that this job is going to cost him a thousand dollars to do. I've got to buy the door. It's going to be some labor and it's out of my pocket as a business owner, it's a thousand bucks. Well, what they do is they'll tack 10% on that and sell it for 1100 bucks. Okay. So you spend a thousand to make a hundred. All right. Mm -hmm. We teach people that whatever the job is actually going to cost you, you double it at least. Okay. And get a 50% gross profit. That one thing alone has saved marriages, gotten paid off hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt because the fastest way out of the financial gutter is for you to make money and be unapologetic about it because the more money and profit that you have, but I'm talking gross. It's not, if it's a $20,000 job, he's not putting 10 grand in his pocket. That's not what I'm saying. You have the, you have 10 grand left to pay your overhead, your office manager, your marketing, and, you know, warranty work and all those other things that it takes to run the business, to keep your lights on. And that's where a lot of business owners in general go run is they don't truly understand how much they're undercharging people. And then the flip side, again, everything's connected here. Because I don't have enough money, I got to jump. I got to leave this job quickly, go start the next job, get a deposit, do this whole game. Now the experience for the consumer sucks and they feel like they're being ripped off. You know, so it's just one of these things that the only way to change it is at the source, which is how we think about our value Mm -hmm. and the value that we bring to the world and all that experience and this and that. 
and be paid handsomely for it. And in the process, level up the experience and deliver high value to people. And I'll tell you right now, you know, there's all these crazy stats in the sales world, but price is like the sixth, seventh, eighth objection. Mm-hmm. Okay. In any sales transaction, it's all those other things along the way. Like, are you, are you feeling heard and understood and, you know, and things like that and, and tactical empathy and really listening. And we call it in our sales training program, we call it the motive. Like people buy for their reasons, not mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so no matter how good my reasons might be as a business owner, why Gordon, you should buy my thing. It doesn't matter if it's not one of your reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I had a project. Um, I sold it. Pro- I think it was three times the price of anybody else as many years ago, because the woman I said, said, what's the worst thing that could happen on this project? And it was a paint job. It was a big paint job, whatever. She said, the worst thing that could happen here is that you wake my twins up. They sleep from one to two 30 every day. That's the only time I have any peace. They're awake all night screaming and this and that they're like newborns. Right. And I, so I said, sir, if, if I were to adjust our start time and we took lunch during their nap and we took lunch off site and we extended the lunch an hour and I could do some company training with my crew. I said, what would happen then? She says, you do that. The job is yours. Cause that was her reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could have told her that we have all this training and these certifications, we've won these mm-hmm. awards and we're really cool yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So that was her thing. And that's what most people who sell anything don't understand. It's about them, not about you. Mm-hmm. So what most contractors get wrong, it sounds like you're saying is one, they underprice it. And two, they don't understand the real reason why the customer is making the purchase. Is that yep. Yep. what you're saying? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. You didn't hit on the thing about the organization though, as much as I thought you would, because like my complaint is that they don't, they don't call you back. Mm -hmm. uh, They don't show up at a prescribed time. A lot of these guys will just, oh, we'll be there Tuesday. You know, well, I'm working, uh, you know, I have a home office. I got meetings all day. My wife is doing something similar. You know, I don't have, I'm not just available any time of the day to walk down, open the door, chit chat with them, let them in, you know, and they can't give you an arrival time. I mean, it's that sort of organization, run it like a business kind of thing. Uh What about that? (laughs) Well, I could speak for hours on that. Um, And I I do literally every single day I do a piece of content here. It's because they still think it's about the actual work. Mm -hmm. They think it's about the paint job or the floor or whatever. And it's not, it's about the experience. It's Mm -hmm. them not understanding that Gordon and his wife don't need another to-do list each day. Right. Yeah. And I'm going through this myself. I just did an epic rant in one of my private groups where I went to town, man. It was crazy because I'm like, I've had the contractors that are not part of my group that I've hired that I had outside of my group. I am chasing them every step of the way, literally at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night going, Hey, are you guys coming tomorrow? Like you said, and what time? Like I shouldn't have to be doing that, but it's because they don't understand that is first and foremost about the experience back to the money thing. When you are undercharging your work because of the fear that we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. you don't have the money. You're spending all your time chasing money and trying to be right and trying not to overprice yourself because of that fear, which it's like a domino effect that keeps coming around that now I don't have the money to pay people or train my people or whatever to reinvest back into the company. It all starts with the, what, what we think about ourselves and our value. And so to your point, yeah, that is the biggest frustration that, and I mean, I could go on, there's estimating issues. Guys are like, Mm -hmm. guys try to do uh, 
the going rate. Like I'll give an example, like, oh, well, can't sell a basement floor like this. You know, I just have my basement floor uh, restained and stuff. Like a lot of these guys are like, oh, you can't sell that for 10 grand. That, that you'll price yourself that because the going rate is six grand. Okay. Mm. And it's like the going rate is the fastest way for you to go poor because mm. 95% of contractors don't know their numbers are in debt. Don't make a lot of money. And yet everyone's basing their prices off of each other. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so there's the production rate side. That's, you know, that's why we encourage guys to job cost every project within 24 hours of completion. So you can see how did our estimate estimate. Cause that, again, this is another thing like, Pricing your work as a contractor, it's like part art and part science. Like on paper, it should take X amount of time to paint a wall or install a door. But then you get out in the field and things aren't square and there's weather issues and you got a crazy homeowner that's in your ear all day or whatever it is. Like, I mean, there's a million different things that are variables. That's why we have to job cost so we can just kind of find that that sweet Mm -hmm. spot of uh, what it really takes. And that's what I've often found is guys will miscalculate what it will take, or they'll tell you, Gordon, no problem. We can finish it by them because they don't want to be honest with you and let you down. Right. Okay. And again, yeah. that we do, we do a lot of that in our, 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 our sales training thing that we have where we're talking about having uncomfortable conversations with people. Like right. if you called me up and says, Tom, I need this done by labor day. I'd be like, Hey, Gordon, what, what would happen if I told you I could not possibly finish this project by labor day? one of two avenues, right? Now he's going to go, nor- here's what's funny. Normally people will say, well, it's what we were hoping for. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> That's right. usually what we hear. But on yeah. occasion you hear, well, I have to have it done. I'm having this party or it's, maybe it's a kid's graduation party or whatever it is, right? It's a uh-huh. deadline. We got to right. sell the house. We're moving into the house, blah, blah, blah. And Tom, if you couldn't do that at that point or by that deadline, I'd have to find somebody else. And I'm like, all right, well, what do you think we should do next? And they're like, see you later. And I'm like, cool. Now crisis averted. Now I didn't, right. where, where a lot of guys go wrong is they go, yeah, no problem, Gordon. We'll find a way to get it done. Over promise. Big time. And that's, um, you know, there's too many variables. I mean, right now in our climate, I mean, one of the biggest issues contractors have are getting materials right now. Mm-hmm. For, so mm-hmm. if you to promise something to somebody right now, um, that's a pretty big risk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a fascinating conversation. We're going to take a quick break to hear word from our sponsor. We'll be back in one minute with Tom Reber. Looking for help to launch your business? Check out launchpadamerica.com. What's launchpadamerica.com? It's the site for all your startup needs. Leading providers of business solutions for America's small businesses have teamed up to create launchpadamerica.com. It's a unique site where you can find the resources and mentorship to start and grow your business. At launchpadamerica.com, you'll find a startup guide with free educational materials showing you how to launch your business. You'll also find a starter kit with offers for essential business tools to run and grow your company. Behind launchpadamerica.com are great organizations. Thrive, MasterCard, Intuit, GoSmallBiz.com, Lendio, ADP, UMail, and America's Small Business Development Center. These innovative leaders are proud to support today's small businesses and entrepreneurs. Visit launchpadamerica.com to get your small business blasting off in the right direction. And we're back with Tom Reber. This is a fascinating conversation about contractors and all the 
common mistakes they run into and how they can run their businesses better. I wanted to ask you, you know, now seems to be almost like the heyday for contractors in the sense of, you know, there's more business than they know what to do with. Everybody I know says there's so much demand. In fact, they can't find workers to do the work. Is that true? And what are you telling people now? Yeah, it is true. And I, I will tell you this right now. If, if you're a home improvement contractor right now and you're not crushing it and literally making money, then you're really messed up. Okay. You've mm-hmm. got some work to do and you need to call my team. <laughs> okay. Uh, and when I say call my team, just go listen to my free stuff. Okay. Just go do that because it's never been easier. It's been a long time since it's been this easy to sell your work. Now to your point, production is the big problem right now. Here's, here's why production is an issue. And it's been an issue for many, many years. There's two contributing factors here. My opinion, this is just, you know, my take being on the street all these years, right? And seeing it. Number one, we have had a message coming down for decades that you need to go to college. If you don't go to college, you're a loser. Most of the people I know that have gone to college don't use their degree and have a lot of debt and they're still paying off 20 years later. And most of the people I know that are successful home improvement contractors are millionaires with no debt. Okay. So it's, you do the math. So there's that. But, and I was one of those, like I, my uncle, grandfather, dad, other uncle, like they all worked in the trades. And this leads to the second point. So on one side, I had this message, don't, don't go into the trades. You got to go to college, blah, blah, blah. If you want to be successful. Plus all of my friends, dads that I knew growing up were doctors, lawyers, engineers, and they all had money and big houses and nice cars and this and that where my dad, you know, passed away in 2013, but my dad was always tired, never made a lot of money and was always dirty. Okay. He worked his tail off. I totally respect the work ethic. He provided for a family. I'm not ripping on my dad, but most people, when they look at a contractor, they see the guy that I described earlier. He's always working. He's always dirty and he ain't making any money. Okay. And so it's not attractive to go into the trade. So you have this message on one side, and then you have this friendly fire on the other side that don't make it attractive. You know, I, I have some other things I won't go into that I think contribute. Like, I just think we've, we've become soft as a society. Everyone wants to sit behind a computer screen and, you know, with manicured fingernails and type <laughs> buttons and make millions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of getting off their asses. To me, yeah, the, the labor shortage is tough. And it, but here's the thing back to why you got to make money and be profitable and run a business, not just care about the craft. The best people are already working for somebody. So you right. have to steal them. You have to poach them. And I don't mean you call them up and, you know, when they're on a job site, you tap them on the shoulder and go, Hey, I'll pay you more money. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, we teach people to poach their competitors, best people by building your brand. by creating a great culture that people want to be part of because people talk, people know each other. And that's why a couple of our things are like, you need to market and build your brand every day of the year. I don't care how much business you have or don't have. And number two, you need to be hiring and recruiting every day of the year. You do those two things, you will be crushing it right now. And our our people in our communities that have have been doing that for the last few years, they market and they recruit, market and recruit. They're getting the best people, delivering the best experiences now, and their businesses are scaling like crazy. We don't have time to get into a lot about the employment situation, but I am curious do you advocate that we should do more of like apprenticeships, the kinds of things that enable high school kids to learn a trade, like you say, as opposed to going into college? Because you're right, you make a good point. A lot of kids come out of college with debt. And nowadays, a lot of them go into lower paying 
jobs, you know, social media marketing, things like that, that are popular. Meanwhile, you could come out of, I guess, high school or maybe an apprenticeship Mm -hmm. with no debt and get into what seems like probably a pretty high paying job right away. Yeah. Well, one of my clients, their son got out of high school. This is a couple of years ago now, but he got out of high school. So what was he, 18? Went to a one-year trade school Mm -hmm. and got hired right after that. I don't even Mm -hmm. think it was a year. And had a starting salary of 70 grand. Yeah. Okay. And now two, two and a half years in, the kid is 21 and he's making 90 grand a year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he just, I think he just bought a house or just saved enough for a down payment over a house and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. And he has zero debt, mm-hmm. you know, to answer your question, I, I think, yeah, schools need to do a better job. Guidance counselors need to do a better job. But I think back to us, it's very easy to point to the teachers and all everybody else. If we as contractors aren't modeling a good life and yeah. setting that example and then taking into, into our own hands, we all have these little boxes we carry around in our pockets that can communicate with anyone in the world. There's no reason you shouldn't be doing live videos, introducing people to your team going, hey, this is Billy. He graduated high school last year. He's mm-hmm. got no debt. He's making 55 grand a year. He's blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it's on us to be that bullhorn, if, you know, if you want to call it that. Right. So I wanted to get into the technology piece of this for a minute with you. My, I don't know. My company Thrive we make a, a CRM system for small businesses. It enables a small business to manage a customer database. So you know who your customers are, mm-hmm. all the information about them. You have a record of all the emails and texts you exchange with your customers. So you can look back two years later. Oh, that was Mrs. Smith. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, that job. I remember all that conversation. You can see what your staff is saying to them you know, via email and text. And then it also manages all your appointments, your calendars, reminds people to show up for their appointments, and then the payments and estimates and invoices on the back end. So it's kind of client experience management system. I'm wondering, do you get into the technology piece of the business with with your contracts, with your clients, and what do you recommend? Yeah. We talk about CRMs actually all the time, generally, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. In fact, I did a video not too long ago, probably a couple of years ago now, actually, but that me not having a CRM for the first three years of my painting business cost me millions of dollars Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was just a dude who was painting, bought a van from his uncle and I'm in business. Right. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything like I'm talking now. I just knew I got to paint and then beat the bushes and try to find my next job. Once I implemented a CRM back in the day and regular email marketing campaigns and adding value to people and all this other stuff, following up with warranty issues or calls, just, Hey, your warranty's up in three months, Gordon, you know, we'd love to come out and look at the property, get you back in the house, you know, and now they're giving you money again and you know how it all works. Um, Plus tracking leads and lead sources and where you're spending your money. All these things are important. So I tell people the best CRM, because that's a question we get all, we have a community, um, a free community on Facebook. It's got six, 7,000 members in it. At least three times a day, somebody posts in there, hey, what CRM is the best CRM for my business? And my answer is the one you use, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like first and foremost, just use it because most, again, most home improvement contractors don't use one. Okay. Because it's office work. It's, it's taking them off the job and this and that. So unless you're really committed to growing your business and doing what big boy and girl business owners do, you know, you're going to struggle. And so, yeah, I think, um, you know, my biggest, uh, and this shows you how I'm more of a sales and marketing guy than I am an operations guy. So it's going to 
make I'll make that case here in a second. For me, the biggest value of the CRM to me was marketing and sales. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it helps me score more points. Yeah. Um, where my old business partner, partner back in the day, and one of my right hand guy in my company right now, he looks at it for other data reasons and things like that. So I think it mm -hmm. is a great tool to be able to communicate with people and, and set you up for success and reminders. Problem is, and I'm just, this is just my worldview is most contractors don't use it because either there's a really hard ramp up time to get used right. to it, right. uh, which I'm sure this is your world. So you can think of every objection somebody would have to not use one, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they're intimidated by it or they're always on the go. They're in their truck and I, and I got to pull over and I got to update the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think highly recommend, Yeah, but you got to use it. Yeah. You know? Got to use it. Yeah. And, and we, we make a, a huge deal out of the onboarding process to mm -hmm. get people comfortable with it, get them started. You know, we liken it to something like a gym membership, you yeah. know, it's great to get the gym membership on January 1st and have the best intentions. But if you don't go on the first 30 days, you're going to, you're going to unsubscribe, right? So you got to get started. You got to make a couple of entries into the database. You got to see some payoff where, oh, I sent that email. Somebody responded. That's pretty cool. They want me to come out and bid that job. You start to get some payback for it. And suddenly you're you know excited and off and running. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a guy last week, he's in one of our programs and he was like, man, this, all this stuff Tom's been saying about keep in touch with your past customers just paid mm -hmm. off. He's newer to our groups and he never really had a database. And so over the last couple of months, he put a CRM together and all this other, I don't even know what he used, but he said he got a CRM Yeah, and he did this thing. Uh, in one of our trainings, we said, Hey, you know, if you talk to a customer, you say you paint something for them, the inside this year, and they say, yeah, next spring, we want to talk to you about the deck or the exterior. We call that a seed, right? You're planting seeds. So go mm -hmm. into the CRM and create a seeds tag or whatever you want to call it. Right. And just go with a date. Hey, follow up with Gordon Henry, March 15th, 2022 about his deck, you know? And so this guy went back and started long story short, he called somebody up and he says, Hey, we were out there a few months ago. And you mentioned that you and your husband wanted to talk about blah, blah, blah. And it ended up, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you called. We were just talking about it the other day. And it turned into like a 30, $40,000 project. Like mm -hmm. just because they, they had that in front of them again. Yeah. We're uh, uh, short on time and just uh, one, one or two minutes left for a quick mm -hmm. question or two. Um, you talk a lot about having a re repeatable process. I, I love that repeatable process idea. And one of the books you recommend on your site, which is a classic, I've read it multiple times, is The E-Myth Revisited by mm -hmm. Michael Gerber, which I think really talks about how, you know, this, this little business builds this repeatable process. Why is that so hard for businesses to sort of understand and create is, is how to do things repeated on a repeated basis. Um, Cause we're kind of like the fly that's trying to get out the window and it's dead <laughs> on the windowsill. We keep flying, trying to work harder, work harder to fly through it instead of pausing for a minute and just going, maybe there's another way out of the room. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think there's this badge of, we all work our tails off as business owners, but I think, even deeper than that is most people don't realize that you already have a, a process. Mm. It's already repeatable. It's just not intentional. Mm. <laughs> All right. So if you take a block of wood and write somebody's phone number on it and call Gordon on Tuesday at four o'clock and you throw it in your dashboard, like a carpenter might, you know, with a, you know, pencil, that's a process. 
that he's repeating. It's just not getting you the end result that you want because you haven't slowed down enough to just be intentional. And I think the ramp up period to get this stuff on paper or on video now or whatever it might be to train people go, this is how you want to do it. Um, I think that intimidates a lot of people because they feel like they're not getting anything done if they slow down and actually map some things out. But this goes back to the old quote. Uh, what is it? I forget who it was, but uh, Lincoln or somebody, if I have eight hours to chop a tree down, I spend six sharpening my ax. But that's really what this is. And so that and I think a lot of times we overcomplicate a process. I'm not a flowchart process thinking person naturally. So mm-hmm. I just simply go, what is the outcome that I want? Mm-hmm. Which again, back to why people don't do this, they don't really take the time to go, what is the outcome I want? So uh, an example, one of the things we train people on is define a successful project. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. Okay. Nobody got hurt. Customer experience was amazing. They loved us and wanted mm-hmm. to give us great reviews. And we finished on time and on budget, right? Those are like the three things. So then we go, okay, well, what needs to happen for that to happen? And I think oftentimes you'll find it's not as many steps as you might think. And the good news about creating a process is you always tweak them. You know, Mm. you review them every now and then, Hey, is this working? Are we getting what we want here? And that that's where I think one of the biggest, I'll end with this. One of the biggest issues I think all business owners have is we don't have clarity of the outcome that we want. Mm. We don't really get clear on what we want. You know, I had a guy go, I want to build a $5 million company. I said, why? He says, so I can pay myself 250 grand a year. And I said, so you need to build a $5 million company in order to make, make 250 a year. And he just kind of paused and he's like, well, I still want a 5 million. He couldn't get past the ego part of that. So I said, you really don't want 250 grand a year. I mean, you might want it. You really want to beat your chest and go, you have this big company and all these trucks. I said, you want your ego fed? He didn't hire me because he didn't like what I had to say. (laughs) But I called him out. I'm like, that's not really what you want. Because if you really just wanted 250 grand, well, what's past that? You want some freedom. You want some choices. You want some options. You don't want to be a slave to your business and all those other things. So I don't care if I'm doing 300 grand a year top line revenue. If I could put 250 in my pocket, I'll do it. Hmm. right? If that's really what I want. So you got to get clear. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, Tom, we're out of time, but I wanted to thank you for those listening. It's it's Tom Reber, the contractor fight. And we didn't really talk about it, but you got this mile high summit coming up in Denver in September. So hopefully folks will check out your site and try to get there. Yeah. I appreciate that. I also want to say at the time of this recording, summer 2021, this fall, I have a, uh, I'm the host of a new TV show on HGTV that's coming out. And the working title is Unfinished Business. That, that means they could change it. I have no dates yet, but we, we filmed season one. And we're excited to roll that out and encourage you guys to take a look. I think we, we have a kind of a unique approach on uh, helping people. So it's pretty cool. That's great. We'll look forward to it. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us today. And if you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend or colleague to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, make it a great week. Oh,